Church, as we continue in worship, in this holy moment where I really feel the Lord's presence here with us tonight, would you stand as we turn our attention to the Word? We'll be looking at Psalm 2 again this week. The psalmist says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You all be seated. Well, good evening. Good to see you all this evening. Thank you so much for being here, as has been said. Uh, a few things as we get started. Um, uh, first of all, we have the season of Lent coming up. That'll be upon us pretty soon. We'll be celebrating uh, Ash Wednesday two weeks from now. Uh, and uh, very excited uh, about that time. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do this year is uh, just encourage you to actually start a Lenten small group. Uh, this will be uh, a small group that'll uh, have a start date and an end date. And actually on Sunday, these folders will be available if you would like one at Connection Point. Uh, and in this folder, there's just a step-by-step -step guide. There's some QR codes where you can uh, see a video from me and uh, also from Kelly. And then Dr. Jeffcoat has uh, written uh, a, a Lenten study guide where you and a small group can do this, one uh, meet one time a week and through some spiritual practices. And there's some other information in there. I highly encourage you to get that. Um, but don't just get it if you're not going to start a group, right? So, uh, but get that and just begin to pray about who it is that you would like uh, to invite to be a part of a Lenten small group with you. Also, during the season of Lent, we're going to be going through the book of Colossians together. Uh, and we, what we realize is that if we know the Master, then we'll live His mission. And there is no greater book uh, with some amazing, amazing truths about who Christ is uh, than the book of Colossians. And so we're going to be talking about this new life that we have in Christ and all that that means. We already have the Colossians book uh, that Fra uh, Fraser Discipleship uh, has done. This is available in the bookstore if you'd like to get that uh, and even get started with that. Uh, and uh, also the missions conference. Wow, I am so excited about the missions conference. Um, I've been talking to some of our missionaries as they're preparing uh, to make their journey to be here with us. Uh, and that is just going to be an amazing, amazing time. Please come out uh, and be a part of that. I'm also excited a little later in February, on February 25th, uh, you're actually going to get to hear from the Bishop of Egypt. Uh, Adele is going to be with us. Uh, and that's just going to be, a, he couldn't make it in time for the missions conference, but he'll be here a little later in the month. And so I'm excited about that. 
And speaking of missions, we have some uh, guests with us uh, here. We have Doug Hoffman, his wife Jan. They're from Oregon. And Doug is the CEO and president of Mercy, Mercy Incorporated. But we also have Rachel Libby and her husband, uh, David. Uh, David is a church planner in Washington. And Rachel is the director of development engagement uh, with Mercy Incorporated. And if you're not familiar with them, they do some amazing work. Part of their mission is to break the cycles of physical, relational, and spiritual poverty in people. And they do this in a variety of ways, through clean water, uh, tackling uh, food insecurity by providing food security, uh, children's education, health, uh, literacy, life skills, and also, of course, sharing the gospel. And one of the most amazing things about this uh, group of amazing people is they have impacted over 600,000 lives on 14, in, in 14 countries. That is absolutely amazing. Would you guys stand up, please, if you don't mind, all y'all? There they are. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, and thank you guys for being here. In fact, as we get started, why don't we just go ahead and let's just pray for them if you don't mind. Let's pray for them. Father, we come to you in this moment. We're so thankful. Wow. It is amazing to see your servants following in the footsteps of Christ in so many different ways. Lord, we thank you so much for all the impact that they have had around the world. But Lord, we ask for a, a double blessing. Lord, may they reach double the amount. May they do it quicker than they could ever imagine. And Lord, we ask that you would provide every step of the way for them. Thank you for their amazing hearts and how they lay down their lives for you. Would you help us, Lord, all do the same for your honor and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Speaking of serving the, serving the Lord, this is actually what we've been uh, talking about as we've been looking at Psalm 2. And we've taken a little different approach uh, as we've gone through uh, Psalm 2. But right at the core of it, as you're getting down uh, through the psalm, you see this call to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord with fear. And so I want us to go back. We, it took us a couple of weeks to get through verse 1, but I actually want us to look at a block of text here um, as we're looking at verses 2 through 6. If you want to follow along there, I want you to see this flow. And I told you that Psalm 2 is a psalm about Jesus. It's a psalm about uh, He is the Anointed One. Psalm 2 is mentioned or referenced about 17 times in the New Testament. Uh, so it's quoted or alluded to over and over again. It's very, very, very important. If you pick it up in verse 2, uh, we see this raging and with this anger of verse 1, it says, the kings of the earth, in verse 2, set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. We talked about those things and what they mean. Uh, they are against the Lord and against His anointed. Verse 3, though, says, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. This is what people who rebel against the Lord say. He who sits in the heavens, though, laughs and he holds them in derision or he ridicules them. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, this is the Lord speaking, I have set my king, that is Jesus, on Zion, my holy hill. And notice that there is this terror, if you will, in the lives of people. It says it there. That there are these people who want to say, let, let us burst the bonds of God. All He does is hold us back. Now, let us cast off the cords that God puts on us. And we know that in life, we're either going to be faithful or foolish. And it's the foolish that always try to rebel. And what the text tells us is that God sits back and He laughs. <laughs> he just sits back and laughs. He says, you know, I have put, set my king on Zion, my holy hill. But this terrifies those who rebel against God. 
It terrifies them. And the reason why it terrifies people uh, for to hear the Lord say, I have put my king on Zion, on my holy hill, the reason why it terrifies people who rebel against God is because they want to be king. And all of a sudden, their kingship is now at risk because God has placed His king, King Jesus, on Zion, on His holy hill. But we who are called to be servants, again, this psalm is about serving the Lord. We are called to be servants. We need to understand an important truth, and that is that the heart of the Father is reflected in the heart of the faithful. The heart of the Father is reflected in the heart of the faithful. And again, we're going to go one of two directions. We're either going to be faithful or we're going to be foolish. Faithful or foolish. And so the question becomes, how do we set Jesus as king? On the hill of our heart. How do we do that? To ask it another way, what does the faithful heart of a servant look like? What does the faithful heart of a servant look like? And if we step back and we survey all of what Scripture has to say about that, it has a whole lot to say. I've narrowed it down to a small list of ten things for you. So, I want to give you ten kind of big ideas here in the next 19 minutes and 30 seconds. And, uh, but as I throw these out, and, and as we kind of walk through these, I ask the Lord, which one applies to me? Which one do I need to work on? Which one do I need to hear tonight? So what does the faithful heart of a servant actually look like? What does Scripture reveal about that? Number one is this, is that faithful servants are faithful to His Word and His voice. If you're going to be a faithful servant, you're going to have to be faithful to His Word and His voice. We see this, for example, in Exodus 19, verse 5. In Exodus 19, it says, Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, i.e. word, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. This is God speaking. And notice the two things there. Obey obey my voice and obey my covenant, he says. You see, there are some things that God speaks to us and they're universal to the Christian life, right? They apply to all of us. They are found in His Word or in His new covenant for us. But there are also some things in life that are situational. And that's where we have to hear His voice speak to us. We need both. Now, God's voice will never contradict His Word. We need to be very clear about that, okay? But God speaks to us in general to all of us, universally to Christians, through His Word, through the covenant that He has established in Jesus Christ. He speaks to us through that, but He also leads us and guides us with His voice as well as situations arise. When I was praying about moving to Montgomery, for example, there's not you know, a book called the book of Montgomery, chapter 1, verse 1, and that Chris Montgomery should move to Montgomery, right? That's a situation. I need to hear from the Lord, and you know what that's like as well. So faithful servants are faithful to His Word and His voice. Number two, faithful servants are treasured by the Lord. You have to understand that you are treasured by God. So many times we forget that. But when we walk in the faithfulness of the Lord, He treasures you. Did you see it in Exodus 19? Go back to Exodus 19 verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. said, out of all the earth, we get to have a personal relationship with God. Now, I know you're probably sitting there going, Chris, that's Exodus. That's the Old Testament. What you have to understand is that what God speaks in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel 
He also speaks under the new covenant to individuals, to those of us who believe. I'll give you an example. The nation of Israel had how many temples? This, this is an IQ test. <laughs> the nation of Israel had how many temples? Right, okay. How many are there now? Billions. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? So what God speaks to the nation of Israel in this sense, they would be as a people His treasure possession. Now we are His treasure possession. We are the ones who have the Spirit of God living in us, which means the Spirit of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do you not know this? Right to the Corinthian church. Now the Spirit resides in us and goes wherever we go. We have to understand that we are treasured by the Lord for that. Number three, faithful servants know the name of God. Micah 4.5 For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God. It's an amazing principle that God was speaking through the prophet Micah in his day. You see, in what name we do what we do really matters. It really matters. That's why, you know, Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, in that moment, we do it in Jesus' name because when we do it in Jesus' name, He's the one that gets exalted. Not our name, His name, right? So whoever's name we do what we do in, we serve in, that's who gets exalted. Not only that, uh, whoever's name you do what you do in, that's the authority that you carry. See, the name of God, we, we should do a whole thing on the name of God. The name of God is so important because it's not only about us exalting who God is or exalting who Jesus is, but also about carrying His authority. And so when Micah says, listen, there's people they, all over the earth, they walk and they carry the name of their God, but as for us, we're going to walk in the name of the Lord our God. He's saying we're going to walk in such a way that exalts God, yes, but we're also going to walk in and carry His authority in how we serve and how we live our life. And so if you're going to be faithful, you've got to understand the power of the name of God. You've got to understand there's actually power in the name of Jesus. And He said a whole lot about that. Amen? Number four, faithful servants give their all to the Lord. Faithful servants give their all to the Lord. You see, if our heart is going to reflect the heart of the Father, it has to be given wholeheartedly. Not partially, but wholeheartedly. Deuteronomy 10 says this. We see this established in both Old and New Testament. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, it's one. Walk in His ways, all His ways, two. To love Him, three. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And of course, Jesus would go on and He would convey these same truths in the New Testament. But part of what's being communicated here is that if we're going to serve the Lord, we have to serve with all of ourselves. That God wants unbridled, unencumbered devotion to Him that flows out of love. The love that we receive from Him and the love that we have for Him. Because the thing, that, the thing that gets in the way of love is sin. We know this, right? The thing that causes me to not love someone is sin. But if you think about it, God is sinless. Which means His love and all the work that He does in our life is unhindered. 
See, we're the ones that we have the problem on our end. We have sin. So our sin hinders our love toward other people, right? But not God. And so what he calls us to while God is sinless and his love and his work and his activity in our life is unhindered because he is sinless. He is absolutely holy. He calls us. And when we sin less, that's when we are more dedicated. When we sin less, when we become more like Christ, that's when we are less hindered. We could put it that way. And so whenever I say faithful servants give their all to the Lord, it is this lifelong process where we are doing everything we can to follow in Jesus' footsteps by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more we become like Jesus, the less hindered we are in serving and loving God and also in serving and loving others. Does that make sense? I'm glad four people got it. Number five. Number five is that we have to understand that faithful servants are raised up by God. That your calling to serve is, is God's activity in your life. It's not just your idea. You didn't just come up with this on your own. Whenever the Lord was speaking against Eli's house, specifically Eli's sons in 1 Samuel 2, 35, he made this statement that I believe the Lord is still doing today. And he said, I will raise up for myself faithful priests who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I think the Lord is still raising up faithful people, faithful servants, who will then do what is in His heart and what is in His mind. Not my heart and my mind, but what is in His heart and His mind. And one of the things that gives us comfort is that you know that God is raising you up when the ideas that you have and the inspiration for those ideas, they come from beyond you. And all of a sudden, they start reflecting something greater than you. They start reflecting the heart of God. They start reflecting the mind of God. And so if we're going to be faithful servants, we have to understand this is a work that the Lord is doing in us. But in that, in that, He's going to inspire and fan the flame for us as He raises us up so that we reflect His heart, we reflect His mind. Number six is that faithful servants are those who draw near to God. If we're going to be faithful, there has to be this continual drawing near. So many times we think that things happen in life and it's kind of a once and for all type thing. But when it comes to understanding who God is and what it is that He has called you to be and then therefore do, when it understands this closeness of this relationship, we have to go back and back again as we draw near. You see, because you're never going to know the heart of the Father unless you listen to His heart beat. There's a closeness involved in that. You ever been close enough to someone to hear their heart beat? There's a closeness in proximity that God calls us to. And when we get close to God and we hear His heart beating, we hear the rhythm of His heart, we hear what breaks His heart and aches His heart. Mm. Man, that's powerful. But it's also in those moments when we receive what we need as well. It's in those moments when whatever it is, whether it's encouragement or inspiration or endurance, uh, no matter what it is, it's in those moments of closeness to the throne of grace that we receive what we need in those moments. I love Hebrews 4. You know it probably. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast 
our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near, there's the word, to the throne of grace, that we may, one, receive mercy, and two, find grace to help in time of need. Notice the drawing near gives us two things. We receive something and we find something. We receive mercy and then all that is needed with that mercy. And we find, it says, grace in all that is needed. And it is a gracious gift to us. But many times, uh, you know, you look around and people say, well, you know, yeah, I want to serve the Lord and all that good stuff. But, uh, but I'm not receiving what I think I need to receive. I'm not finding what I think I need to find. The problem is not God. The problem is we just stop drawing near. And that's why if we're going to be faithful, we have to constantly draw near to the Lord so that we can receive what we need to be faithful. We can find what we need to be faithful. And He always gives that through His mercy and through His grace. Faithful people. If you really want to know what faithful people, who faithful people are, they're just people close to God. Just get close to God. We try to tackle our faithfulness problems apart from God. I need to go work on myself. I need to go, you know, get some things right. Then I can come back. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's at His throne of grace that we receive and find what we need. Number seven, faithful servants are focused servants. Faithful servants are focused servants. If you're going to be faithful in the world, you have to be focused. I don't know if you know this or not, but the rhythm of heaven is not the rhythm of earth. I'm not sure if you know that. There's a whole lot of chaos on earth. And none of it exists in heaven. None of it. But we got to stay focused on, earth, uh, on eternal matters in an earth, on an earth that's gone crazy. That's our challenge. We have to stay focused on eternal matters in the chaos that is taking place on earth. That's why Jesus said in Luke 9, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow looks back. There are many implications to that text. Many implications. But the looking back part, the looking back part, is, is part of that is looking back at earthly things. Or even looking back in the past. I mean, if you think about it, there's no such thing as the past in heaven. Right? Because time doesn't exist in eternity. You with me there? I'll let you think about that one. <laughs> so, so in heaven, no one's looking back in time. So we shouldn't here on earth. So if we're going to be faithful, we have to stay focused. We have to stay focused on where we are now and where God is taking us into the future. Number eight. Faithful servants know their reward. Know their reward. At the end of the day, we all have to decide, do we want the rewards of earth or of heaven? At the end of the day, that's, we get to decide that. But how we answer that question is going to determine who we serve, right? Hebrews 10, 36 says, For you have need of endurance, 
because the earth has gone crazy. I don't know if you know that or not, remember? Well, we need this endurance so that when you have done the will of God, finished your race in that sense, you may receive what is promised. There's an endurance that we need so that we can keep going and get to that category of done the will of God. Not doing, but done at the end of our life so we may receive what is promised. I love 1 Samuel 26, 23. It says, The Lord rewards every man or woman for his righteousness and his faithfulness. The righteousness we have is when we're living the gift of God in our life that He has given us. But the faithfulness is your life's gift back to God. We can't be righteous on our own, right? It is a gift from God. And so we honor the Lord and He rewards a life that lives out of that righteousness that only He can give. But then our faithfulness is our gift back to God with the rest of our life. And 1 Samuel says He rewards that kind of life. Or Matthew 25, 21, the line we all want to hear. The thing we all want to hear in life is well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And at the end of the day, we get to choose. Every day we make choices and our choices make us. The question is, do we want the rewards of earth or the rewards of heaven? It's going to determine everything about how we go about this thing called life. Number nine, is that faithful servants protect the Lord's work in them. And this one is big. Faithful servants protect the Lord's work in them. Many times we think that our spiritual lives is somehow very passive on our part. And it's not. 1 Timothy 6.20, at the end of 1 Timothy, Paul writes, he says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. You actually have to guard what has been deposited into your life. And he goes on to talk about, you know, avoid irreverent babble and contradictions about what is falsely called knowledge. And you see that put in quotes there. It's the idea of Gnosticism, because the proto-Gnosticism that was going on in Ephesus at the time was just rampant, and Timothy was running into it. Gnosticism was basically, you know, the, there's a spirit world, and there's a physical world, and they don't mix at all. So it really doesn't matter what you do in the body as long as you know, just do some spiritual things. Do you, sounds familiar today, right? You know, when things come along, people say, oh, well, that's new age belief or whatever. Actually, it's really old. Been around for a long time. But he tells him here, you've got to guard the deposit entrusted to you. You say, well, what, what is the deposit there? He actually answers the question in 2 Timothy 1. When he writes back to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, he's talking to Timothy and he says this. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words you have heard from me. So right there, Paul tells Timothy there's a pattern. There's a pattern. And then he tells us the pattern. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words you have heard from me. And here's the pattern. In the faith, number one, and love that are in Christ Jesus. The pattern of sound teaching is always faith in God that's lived out in love for others. And as a matter of fact, just, just do a study of where faith and love are linked together all throughout Paul's writings. You'll see this is the pattern he talks about over and over again. So the pattern of sound words you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And then he says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What's the good deposit? It's the pattern. 
It's the faith we have that's been deposited into my life that I have in God, but it's also the love that I have of God that I can live out to other people. Because for Paul, uh, faith is always something that we have, yes, toward God, but it's lived out. And when that's lived out, that active love, that's how it's seen and that's how it's shown. And so we have to protect this work that the Lord has done in us. But we don't do that alone because God is faithful to the faithful. God is faithful to the faithful. Notice I didn't say that God is faithful to the perfect. I said God is faithful to the faithful. And there's this word that's very important, uh, and it's the word preserve. We see it over and over throughout Scripture. And it means to protect from what is concealed, hidden, or secret. And the Lord protects us from those things that are concealed, hidden, and secret. Does that sound familiar? You do realize that there is a spiritual realm. And that there is evil in that spiritual realm that is concealed, hidden, and secret from our physical eyes. But the Lord does a preserving work in our life. Because we get attacked all the time, don't we? Oh, I'm the only one? But the Lord preserves us. Psalm 97 verse 10. Oh, you who love the Lord hate evil. Because it's real. He preserves the lives of the saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. That's what He does. Psalm 31. Love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Or Psalm 37, 28. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake His saints. They are preserved forever, He says. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Or Psalm 86, verse 2. Preserve my life, for I am godly. You say, whoa, that's a big proclamation. What does he mean by godly? Here's what he defines it. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Right there, the psalmist defines being godly as a trusting servant. Preserve my life. I am godly. What does that mean? I'm your servant who trusts in you. That's what he didn't, again, he didn't say I'm perfect. And what we see in texts like this is that what God does in our life to preserve us, when we are seeking faithfulness above all else, is that He does this. He delivers us from earthly troubles. He delivers us eternally. And He also answers our prayers. Prayers prayed like Psalm 86 too. And He reaches down and does amazing things in our lives that absolutely blow our minds. And so we have to keep watch. We have to constantly keep watch. Because we don't want to lose the ground we've already made. Right? 2 John 8 says, Watch yourselves so that you do not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. That's powerful. It's revealing. I can actually lose what I've worked for. I can lose the ground I've been making spiritually. We don't want to do that, so we have to keep watch. Not only that, we don't want to become unstable in our faith. You do know that's possible. 2 Peter 3.17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away by the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. We talk about standing on the rock and the rock is Christ. It's one thing to stand on the rock and it's one thing to be shaking on the rock. The rock's not going to shake. It's not going to move. We're the ones that move. We're the ones that lose our stable place. So we have to keep watch. 
We also have to keep watch over ourselves because sometimes the Lord tests us. Some people don't like that idea or that notion of God testing us, but it's so important. It's even helpful in many ways. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I think God does test us, and I think the tests are good for us. Whenever you know that the Lord will bring tests into your life, one of the things you do when you know a test is coming is you prepare. So all of a sudden, knowing that the Lord will test you at different times helps us live a more prepared life. Then not only that, when you're victorious in a test, it builds confidence. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a good thing. But the last thing I'll, I'll close this with is that we have to keep watch if we're going to be faithful. Because our lives are joining in with the lives of other people all over this world. And we are making a mosaic of a beautiful testimony. But it's a testimony of faithfulness. When Peter was writing in 1 Peter 5, 9 to these followers of Christ who were scattered everywhere, he's talking about Satan. He says, resist him. Stay firm in the faith, in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout all the world. And that's one way Peter reminds him to stay faithful, firm in your faith. Stay faithful here because you're not alone. And all over the world, all over the world, there's a testimony being built of faithfulness. And it's, it's in every country. It's happening in all different places. That there are faith-filled people who are helping build a global testimony of consistency, a global testimony of faithfulness that displays the beauty of God. And so many times we forget that that right now we are a part of something that's happening all over the earth. And that our faithfulness today here in Montgomery, Alabama, is linked with faithfulness of other believers all around us. And it is a testimony that is absolutely beautiful and reveals the beauty of God. Because if God can help me be faithful here, and He can help someone be faithful in Africa, He can help someone be faithful in Asia, in Australia, in Hawaii, boy, it would be hard to be faithful in Hawaii, wouldn't it? You'd love to try, yeah. But if you think about it, if God can help me here, and He can help them there, God can do anything. And what we get to be a part of, being a faithful servant, is we get to set the king on Zion, on the holy hill of our heart. And man, that's powerful. That's powerful. I think I've said enough. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Because right now there are people we know screaming that we need to burst out of the bonds that you put on us or cast away the cords that you put on us. But Lord, right now you're just laughing. Because what you really want is our freedom. But oh, how we reject that so many times. Lord, I pray that we would not cower in terror because we don't get to be king. Lord, I pray that we would see the beauty of the king you have set on Zion. On your holy hill. And that we would humbly submit and say, Lord, we just want to be known as a servant. 
And not only that, a faithful one. So Lord, I pray for each and every one of us in this moment. However it is you've called us to serve, may we do so faithfully. May our goal in life not be to do big things, but just to be faithful with the things you have given us. Lord, may our goal in life not be to make our name great, but that your name may be known. Holy Spirit, would you help us be faithful? And Lord, we do it all for you. All for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.